Hi everyone, this is Sarah McFarland from Inside Scientific, the online environment for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content that helps you do your best work. Today's episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Rizwan Kaiser from the University of Sharjah and Matt Borkowski from Aurora Scientific. They both recently joined us for the third webinar in the Science of Aging series, a joint webinar series brought to you by Inside Scientific and the American Physiological Society. Their joint presentation discussed experimental protocols used for measuring muscle function and mechanics for in vivo and in vitro research. Let's dive in. So our first question is for you, Matt. Has any more work been done to adapt the Aurora Scientific device for non-human primates? Not a tremendous amount. As you can imagine, it's, it's not the primary animal model being used with the, with the three-in-one system. The, the model of platform that we use for, for non-human primates, we've made some changes to the clamps, but that's mostly to accommodate larger animals and more like porcine models. That's probably the biggest change. So there's n- not a tremendous amount to report there. Okay, great. The next question is for you, Rizwan. This question is, are you aware of any pharmacological or nutritional interventions that specifically increase muscle speed and power, knowing that mass and strength decline rapidly, but not quite as fast as power? Um, Not really. I mean, there are so many protein supplements that increase the mass. And they mostly affect type 2 fibers. And type 2 fibers, they are pretty flexible in terms of size. So they can hypertrophy, they can atrophy, like relatively easily compared to type 1 fibers. If we do see a change in type 2 fibers, it might uh, like translate in a strong, uh, like a faster speed of contraction also. But like, so that would be an indirect effect on the speed. Uh, I don't know if there is a supplement, uh, a nutritional supplement, which could directly like affect the speed. I'll, okay. Sorry to, to interrupt. I just wanted to jump in. I am aware um, of one recent publication where our system was used, uh, and they looked at the effects of dietary nitrate supplementation. And this was in this was in uh, mouse diaphragm muscle in elderly animals, and they showed they showed that there was an increase in shortening velocity and an increase in power. This is Dr. Leo Ferreira's group, and he published this in 2020 Journal of Physiology. Okay, great. We've got another question here. I think this one is for Rizwan. Does oxidative stress induce sarcopenia? And if so, what could be the key free radical involved? Okay, so this is a long going, ongoing debate. Like there would be papers titled as is oxidative stress a cause or consequence of sarcopenia? And it still goes on. Like, so, I mean, there are studies which show that if you could, and we have the mouse model also, the SOD1 knockout mouse, which, which show that uh, if you could reduce the oxidative stress, you get, you improve or you reduce the sarcopenia phenotype. So like there is less atrophy, less weakness. And what free radicals are primarily involved? I can't really say any specific one. Uh, but like specifically, I mean, it is associated with sarcopenia. It has definitely contribution to sarcopenia. Is it the main player? We don't know. The other thing is that we have to uh, talk about oxidative stress in, in, in what organ? Is it muscle? Is it nerve? Is it both? Is it global? Apparently, oxidative stress in muscle alone 
it's uh, not like a hammer. So it does cause some damage or detriment, but it's not as much as an oxidative stress in the neuron. So okay. uh, it has a contribution, but we don't really know if it's the major player or it's a cause or it's a consequence. Okay. Thanks for that answer. We've got another question here. I'm going to combine a couple because we've got quite a few of a similar question. So this question is, have you done any CDN1163 trials in humans, like clinical trials? And if so, what are the side effects? I haven't done it. And one reason is that it's extremely costly. And the other thing is that for short term, like in mice, for short term, like for a few weeks, we don't see an effect. To see an effect, we have to administer it to mice for like like many weeks. If you translate this to humans, that would be CDN1163 apparently for years and years. And it's so costly that we can't afford it. People have done it in mice for different organs because like all the organs, they have endoplasmic reticulum, which is sarcoplasmic reticulum in muscle. And uh, they have those circa enzymes. So CDN1163, it improves the circa uh, enzyme activity and it has uh, effects, positive effects against neurodegeneration, against metabolic syndrome, against like bad things going on in liver and pancreas. But for now, as long as it's costly and as long as uh, its effect come after like a chronic dose, I guess it will stay uh, to the mice. <laughs> Okay, fantastic. Would the increase in CAF22 and the resulting impact on the neuromuscular junction in COVID-19 patients, be, could it be a result of the lack of exercise and movement caused by the hospitalization? It might be, actually. But some of our patients, they were ambulant. Like, they were in hospital, but they were not completely bedridden. Of course, they were not as physically active as they were before hospitalization, uh, but they were not completely bedridden. So I can't really rule out the effect of less physical activity or more sedentary lifestyle or its contribution to the uh, blood CAF22 levels. But like I see some effect even in those people who are symptom free and they are of course quarantined, but they have some sort of activity. So they are not completely better than hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune in to future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work, offer tips, tricks, and best practices, but most of all, share science. Don't forget to subscribe.